0: Welcome to Trending in Education, Mike Palmer here. Very excited today to be joined by Alicia Levy, the CEO and president of Reading is Fundamental. I gotta say, not betraying my age, but maybe betraying a little bit of the longevity of Reading is Fundamental. I did grow up with Reading is Fundamental as part of my life, and I'm sure a lot of other people have as well. So I'm really delighted to have Alicia on. We'll get into all that in a bit, but Alicia, just to begin, welcome to Trending in Education.
1: Mike, thank you so much for having me. I am really excited uh, to join you today and have what I'm sure will be a very exciting conversation about children's literacy.
0: Yeah, awesome. So we always begin by asking our guests uh, to tell us their origin story in their own words. I was doing a little bit of prep coming in and You've had a really interesting background in the world of educational content, educational media, and that ultimately has landed you in this role at Reading is Fundamental. Can you catch us up on what got you to this point in your professional life?
1: I'm happy to do that. My origin story starts as a wife and mother of three, and I have been lucky. There's no other way to say it. I've had this amazing opportunity to really spend my career focused on learning outcomes for children. I started actually at Discovery Channel, working with Discovery when they were really looking to expand their brand into the classroom. Room. And so really spent many years, over 12 years at Discovery, working on it, it, instructional media. Those are the early days. Of what educational technology and integrating media into the classroom really meant. From there I went to PBS, the public broadcasting service, worked on expanding their footprint in the same kind of way. Yeah. And my pathway to to reading is fundamental, to Riff, is an interesting one. Again, a real honor to be selected about five years ago actually to be the new steward of this remarkable brand I, like you, Mike, grew up with, Riff is a little bit more part of our everyday lives, right? turn on, see a PSA on TV or be in the classroom and not hear reading is fun. Mm -hmm. And that was in large part due to the advocacy, the the messaging of reading is fundamental. But my connection to children's literacy is really very personal. And I think many people's is. When I was leading the education work at PBN, I'll never forget. I, I was in the morning I, like many working mothers, was at the kind of entrance placement testing for, at the time, my five-year-old that was entering kindergarten. So I was there in the morning with her and then heading to a series of presentations at PBS, where we had brought all of our children's media producers together for a, a couple of days of workshops. And I was kicking that session off in the afternoon Yeah. So, I spent the morning at this kindergarten placement test and the kindergarten teacher, whom my husband and I knew very well, because she had taught her older children, came out and she said, Alicia, your youngest it doesn't recognize letters. She's not, she doesn't have any foundational elements of, of reading. And I, I was shocked. Mm-hmm. I We had sent her to preschool. We were the lucky ones. We yeah. had the resources to provide our daughter the tools she needed to prepare her for school. And so I left there feeling like a failure as a parent and a yeah. failure in many ways. And I, I stood in front of this group of producers who produce programs like Sesame Street and yeah. the, the amazing tools that are available through media from PBS. And I literally might just burst into tears
0: Yeah,
1: because <laughs> I couldn't ground it. Yeah. And I said, here I am charged with, with using media to reach the the most at-risk children in our community. We're using the power of media to advance learning. Yeah, And I'm raising a child who who doesn't have the FedEx reading elements. And not too long after that, I decided to go to Reading is Fundamental to really yeah. spend this part of my career really focusing on providing opportunities for children so that they could read.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's an amazing story. And it does speak to The prevalence of this problem and one of the trends that I am noticing talking to a lot of different people about what they see emerging in education is that it does seem like awareness around the problem of children's literacy, in particular, the third grade reading competency as a fundamental building block for the rest of a child's educational outcomes can you give us a little bit of context to shape up the problem that we're facing around helping every child learn to read?
1: Absolutely. Mike, here's the bad why. There are 25 million children in America today, 25 million who are not reading proficiently. Mm-hmm. 65% of children entering fourth grade are not reading on grade level. When I say that out loud to people, and I say it often, and I appreciate the opportunity in this forum to share that real tragic statistic. Most people don't believe me. They're Googling it while I'm talking. <laughs> Could that possibly be true? It absolutely is. And it's not a new problem. It's a problem that's been in place for over 20 years. It's It disproportionately impacts children of color. The mm-hmm. statistics, when you look at children of color, are even worse. And it's the reason that my goal as the CEO of the nation's leading voice for children's literacy is to move the nation back to a point where it was like when we were younger, where Everybody knew reading was fun, right? Every mm-hmm. classroom room was getting books. We really need to elevate the conversation about this issue uh, because if children can't read, then they absolutely can't learn. They can't right. STEM, they can't code, they can't do any of the things that they need to be able to do yeah. to make productive lives.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the this number, which has been pretty steady, I guess, for some time, there's many different contributing factors. why children's literacy is hard. Can you tease out for us some of the the contributing factors to why this is a tough nut to crack and, and then maybe we can get into some of the ways in which we can take action to, to help drive it.
1: For sure. And, and to your point, Mike, the important point is what can, what action can we take to impact change? Yeah. Um, and that obviously is our core focus. There are so many levers that impact a, ch- a child's ability to read? And and their vet Can their parents read proficiently? Can their parents speak the language? There's so many children in America today are, are bilingual or come from bilingual homes. Are they in a stable home environment, right? Do they have food security? Those are the environmental factors. And then move into the academic factors. Are they in a school that has the tools that they need? Are, are educators provided with the professional development and the resources they need to really address this issue? Is the nation talking about this issue? Are contributors, whether they're corporations or nonprofits, or at a state, local, and and federal level, really aware of the issue and dedicating their mindshare to the issues? There are so many levers that need yeah. to be pulled at just the right time to ensure that every child is reading proficiently. Reading is fundamental. It has a specific point on a child's reading journey. There are a handful of levers we pull,
0: yeah. but
1: one of the big ones is to advocate for the cause and get more and more people to really recognize that this is a problem and then work with us to find solutions.
0: Yeah, makes sense. And and I know that the advocacy takes many different forms. Just to continue to drive downloads, I did want to make sure we talked about LeVar Burton as part of our conversation. When I think reading is fundamental, I frequently gravitate towards LeVar Burton. I think about the, the popular media that I've encountered and the fact that Reading is Fundamentals advocacy has generally come to me in a way that I thought of as entertaining and well-hosted. Any perspective on how Riff has gotten out into the world over the years and, and how you're, you're looking to do that really heading into 2022?
1: For sure. You hit on it. Reading is fun right? That's in our name. How can we really advance awareness for that? And we've been very lucky over the years. Lavar Burton, in my view, is a celebrity. He has a, a platform that his career has spanned a whole host of, of different things. But what's been consistent is his commitment to children's literacy, his real champion. For that issue for his entire professional career
0: mm-hmm. and
1: and reading fundamental has been very lucky to have someone like him to provide a voice um, no. for this over the years if you walked into our lobby where our cut quarters are in washington dc we're a national organization that really activates local literacy advocates for local innovation but in our offices if you come in you'll see a wall of celebrities and voices that have a platform over the years from Barbara Bush as the first lady to certainly LeVar Burton, Carol Burnett, and Asner, who passed recently, did a whole series of PSAs back in the day, really talking about the importance of reading is fundamental and film literacy.
0: Yeah, and I do know the formats through which we're talking about literacy are changing. And then also our comfort and our children's comfort with those new media formats is something I always gravitate. To One that I wanted to get your perspective on to begin with is the idea of a read-along where it's live, like a live stream of uh, a celebrity or a parent or a kid reading a book. This is something that I saw as a trend emerging uh, really through COVID, and it does seem like there's an opportunity to build on that format. You're someone who's had a bunch of different responsibilities around use of emerging media and being a, both on the entertainment and the educational side. Any perspective on the kind of tools that are emerging and how we can leverage those new tools, but in support of driving children's literacy?
1: For sure. I, and I know you would agree with this. This has been a buzz term, but it's one that I think is relevant. 21st century learners require 21st century solutions mm-hmm. and read aloud have been a foundational element of reading advancement through time, right? As a parent, you're reading stories to your children at that time, if you're lucky. And if you have books at home and you can read yourself. In the classroom, educators do real out as as a core form of instructional advancement. And so as technology has advanced and children really look to the internet and other sources as a way to engage and learn. When you put people they can respect, that they look up to, that they can relate to in front of them, whether it's a parent or an educator in a formal classroom setting, or a voice a, a, a like LeVar Burton, who they can relate to, and, and they're doing these read alouds through this medium, which has become the medium that they're learning through. I, I think that's just an evolution of a traditional learning model that absolutely works. And so we have seen a huge uptick and especially because of COVID, because the only way we could connect in many ways was through this forum. We've seen a lot of just people with a platform using that platform to conduct read-alouds. And it's made a big difference. The challenge, Mike, and and we can't overlook this, is that the children who are in the the most at-risk communities, the underserved communities, are the ones that don't have the ability to do that. Yeah. Activity they don't have the devices, they don't have the support that would allow them to create this connection. And it's a real challenge, but it's also an opportunity.
0: Yep. And then the flip side, I think is you do have folks who are genuinely concerned about use of screens, use of media, use of technology. Again, as a parent of a two-year-old, he gravitates to anything that has a button, an interface, anything he can interact with. That is a place where just having a book is a different context. I do see that in my son where there's engaging with the TV or whatever other screens in his life, but then also just engaging with the physical experience of having a book. And then also I'd love to hear more from you about the importance of just owning books, like having access to your own books and that sense of these books are, are part of, for me, the books that I own have always been part of my identity. And I imagine that's true even at an early age for kids but any perspective on the counterpoint the value of getting away from screens owning books and building more of a practice around reading in like a quiet mindful place you
1: might not be surprised to hear that i have a unique perspective a point of view on this and i'm platform agnostic i don't think that it should matter if it's print or digital mm-hmm. i think our job is to ensure that we provide access and choice because that's what drives engagement. And if it, if a child will be more engaged by using a screen, then that's where we should be. If they'll be more engaged by picking up a, a, a print book and be able to touch and feel it and take yeah. notes in the margins, then that's a great place to be as well. Mm-hmm. But But I don't believe that we have to pick pathways. We have to be broad and we have to be where children are. Mm-hmm. And we have to provide them with the tools they need to become engaged. And so I, I don't believe screen time is a bad thing. I believe the challenge is to pr- put content through that screen mm. that is instructional in nature, but that's engaging, right? You want kids to feel like they chose and that they own it. You hit the nail on the head. Book ownership, whether it's through print or digital format, mm. is really critical because two out of three children living in poverty today do not own a book in their home. And there is a direct correlation to the number of books in your home and your reading proficiency level. <laughs> so more books in the home means more opportunity for that child to be a pathway to read. And again, from a screen time perspective, I believe that it doesn't matter what format it's in. <laughs> I believe we're doing a disservice to children today, to 21st century learners, if we're trying to steer them away from the tools that they like. <laughs> and And the real challenge Is adapting the content or creating content, innovating in the delivery of content in a way that meets them where they are. Mm -hmm. And I think if we can do that, then we can really drive change.
0: Interesting. Yeah, immediately brings me to some of my reading habits as an adult. Lately, I've been listening to books much more than I've been eye reading. Literacy, however, is a little different where... Being able to listen, listening skills clearly are fundamental. And maybe that's another startup that we could discuss at another time. But the idea of literacy, meaning the ability to read with my eyes, is really what we mean. Because a lot of the information that's delivered throughout our our culture is delivered through written words, even if they're on screens. It is an interesting perspective you're putting out there, uh, because I imagine when you start thinking about universal designed for learning, and the fact that the visually impaired read as well. Any perspective on, on how broad we should get in our understanding of reading and literacy?
1: I love your question. And I think we should be as broad as we need to be, right? Until we solve the problem. Mm-hmm. And so I'll take us back to LeBar Burton. He has done Resvit Children's Literacy, this enormous service of nearly a whole host of books that we offer through a, a platform called Skybrary. Mm. So think Library in the Sky, Skybury. it hooks over a thousand books that are largely narrated by LeVar Burton. So imagine that the power of just the storytelling that can come to life through an audio book. Mm-hmm. Th- that might be a good pathway for ch- to engage children. So then we create engagement resources around that audio experience mm-hmm. that, that starts to pull out vocabulary and sight words and the types of things that, that you're, I identifying. And so if kids will engage in reading more effectively through audio, then we figure out pathways to bring the reading literacy components to life Mm -hmm. in other ways. Mm -hmm. So it's not about excluding anything. It's about bringing any tool in and then again, advancing those reading outcomes in unique, innovative ways.
0: Yeah. And to that point, we have joined the local library here for Matthew and one type of book format that he really likes now is called wonder books, where there's an audio function built into the hard cover of the book, but then the words are still written on the page and you go from either narration mode or discussion mode, but it does feel like we may be of similar minds on this. I feel like we are entering into a golden era of learning media design. I just think it requires a little more of an awakening and then a way of thinking about that design process, what actually goes into doing it well. You've had a lot of experiences with different types of projects over the years. What are the necessary components to breaking new ground and delivering new transformational experiences through educational media?
1: So, we could talk for hours on that one, for sure.
0: Yeah. And, I and by the way, if you're on three times with your third appearance, you qualify for a training and education refrigerator magnet. So, we could always bring you back down the road.
1: That would be awesome. And I would really love that opportunity. But I think the very definition of innovation means taking risks, right? So, in taking risks, you have to recognize that you're going to try some things that are going to work and some things that are going to fail. You have to be willing to fail. And really to answer your question, what's the solution? I think if we stay focused on the user experience, what is the child's experience that we're trying to impact? If we stay focused on that, again, you and I worked in the digital space forever. What's the first lesson of building digital products, right? This user experience. Make yeah. sure that you're providing solutions that resonate with your end users. Being willing and able to really see the children's point of view. How do we reach them in a way that they can relate to? and and they relate differently. So we talked about our experience in reading when we were younger. Mm -hmm. As I said, my origin story, I'm a mother. First, I have three children. I have two that one's in grad school, one's in her last year of college, and then I have this little one in middle school. And their learning experiences have been different than ours were. Mm -hmm. My older two that are in college and grad school, their learning experiences were very different than my 12-year-old now. And so as a content creator to drive educational outcomes. I see that in my everyday life, and I recognize that the solutions that we have to create today have to start with the children that we serve. I think one of the hardest things about being an educational practitioner is then everybody is a consumer of education. You can't talk to anybody that didn't have an experience in education because they all went to school. Yeah. and so they all have an opinion <laughs> on, on how it worked for them and how it should work for kids today. And so, I think it's opportunity and challenge. Our challenge is to to stay focused on the children that we're serving. And the opportunity is to be willing to innovate and take risks and try things and then adapt. The agile kind of learning environment, we have to have an agile development environment. And so I'm not sure there's a perfect answer to your question, but I think that's the, the, the approach that we have to be willing to take. And so... Back to one of your earlier comments on if the screen time, right? Print versus digital. There are really smart people with lots of really great experience that have very firm opinions, right, on print versus digital. I clearly have a very firm opinion as well. Everybody will have a point of view. My perspective remains, if your North Star is making sure that you're providing solutions that relate to the children you're serving today, then you're going to find solutions and outcomes that can work for sure.
0: That reminds me, I'm still early in the parenting process, but one of my favorite parenting adages is parent the child you have, not the child you want. And this kind of speaks to that where you're building for a learner out there, get to know who they are and try to understand from their perspective, what are they trying to get out of it? And then also, what are your objectives? If the idea is you want to teach site reading and teach site literacy, then obviously there are some constraints to that lesson plan. But at the same time, There's a lot that talks about delivering across formats in a way that is inclusive. You start thinking about learning disabilities and other challenges around literacy. It's a really complex, big space. It's great that there's advocacy around it. And I appreciate your point about trying to get into what's new and what's emerging. I like to talk about the zeitgeist, just because it's fun to say. But the zeitgeist (laughs) nowadays is also tapping into something new, this this challenge to read a hundred books. We wanted to to talk a little bit about that. I know reading is fundamental has a, a pretty central role to this effort. Can you catch our listeners up on the hundred book challenge? For sure.
1: If reading is fundamental really focuses on creating, as we've talked about, a culture of literacy, right? How do we advocate for this? How do we raise book awareness? How do we engage children and families in classrooms? In the effort to to think about something we were just talking about, how do you take an integrative approach to advancing this issue? And so we have launched a Rally to Read initiative with Back to School. All of us are living through and have lived through the disruption that COVID has caused. It's caused disruption in learning environments. It's caused disruption in home environments. So this year with Back to School, RIF really wanted to create an opportunity to celebrate learning, to engage. Not just children, but parents and families and and educators in a more stable, normal experience. And what's more normal than rallying to read? And so... There are a couple of things because we're marketers and promotional experts just as part of our work. And this year is RIFS. We're entering our 56th year, so we've been doing this a long time. But this year, we will have served 100 million children with books and and literacy support resources. We've distributed over 420 million books um, to children across the country. And so in honor of our 100 million that child served, we really wanted to integrate that into a Hopefully what will become a return to some sense of normal back to school season with this campaign called Rally to Read 100. And we're encouraging classrooms and students and families uh, to take a pledge uh, to read 100 books. We have a sweepstakes where 100 classrooms will get 100 diverse books uh, to add to their school library. So you're probably fixing the hundred theme that runs through all aspects of this, what it's really designed to do is to just encourage a sense of excitement and celebration and rally around the importance of reading.
0: And it culminates around March 2nd is a big day.
1: March 2nd is is a big day. It's Read Across America Day. And as the nation's leading voice for children's literacy, we love to celebrate it every year, as do classrooms across the country. Every year, classrooms across the country celebrate Read Across America Day. March is National Reading Month. And so we've developed this campaign that launched with Back to School. We've engaged uh, amazing advocates for children's literacy, children's literacy authors like Mm -hmm. LaGuardia Burton, Philippe Cousteau, Lou Delacrig, who is an an amazing illustrator and author at her own right. A whole series of children's literacy authors who are doing read-aloud. Back to something we talked about earlier, we've aligned resources around monthly themes so that there's a home to school and school to home integrated approach mm-hmm. um, to reading and provide resources and tools on a free website that's available for parents, mm-hmm. uh, caregivers, educators to download everything from lesson plans to reading activities, to reading logs, tools to really help encourage children to read. And again, an integrated ac- approach to, to, to creating a culture of literacy and excitement. So we'll culminate this exciting celebration, Red Crux America Day, on March 2nd with an event that will stream available to all and really celebrate, announce the winners of the 100 book collections that are going out, celebrate those families and students and schools that agreed to participate, to take the pledge, to read 100 books. And really, again, as we've talked about, just really create awareness and excitement around how fun reading can be.
0: Awesome. And that website is rallytoread.org for those of you who are out there as a parent of a a child who's in pre-literacy, but we want them getting moving in the right direction, having access to stuff like LeVar Burton reading The Rhino That Swallowed the Storm, his children's book is something that myself and my family will be leaning into shortly. It is really interesting your point about family engagement is, is really critical nowadays, especially as it comes to literacy. That is one takeaway that I had coming out of the pandemic is that the role of parents and the need for those sorts of integrated solutions has become much more front and center across all of our educational journeys, but in particular, uh, the educational journey around literacy, which I think we've spoken to Alicia. We'd always love to hear from our guests. What else is out there in the world that's capturing your imagination these days? Where do you look for inspiration? We've talked a lot about literacy. Are there other trends or other things emerging in the world around us that are capturing your imagination? The platform is yours. Take us on a journey. What, what's <laughs> capturing your imagination?
1: I have to tell you, Mike, this consumes a lot of my energy, for sure. But where do I look for inspiration? I look to things like this. I love podcasts. I love podcasts. I love reading, which is very helpful in my role. But what I really love is information, right? I love varying points of view to help inform the solutions that I'm in charge with providing as we continue this journey to advance reading outcomes for children. I will say on a personal level, I'm influenced and amazed every day by my children and the journey that they take. So they get to experience it with them. I can't wait to share with my oldest son the fact that I might be invited back for three visits. So I get a magnet because his journey, he's in grad school at Johns Hopkins, getting an advanced degree in instructional technology. Oh, there you go. He wants to build solutions in a digital environment to advance learning outcomes. And I'm very proud. And so those are the things that really are on my mind today and how most importantly, And I could get myself in trouble. So feel free to edit this part out. How do we make reading sexy? Everybody wants to talk about coding and that's great for all kids to be able to code, but you know what they need to be able to learn how to code? They need to be able to learn how to read. Yeah. So how do I make it sexy enough to get people like you to pay attention and share it with your network and and just get more people engaged in providing solutions?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's great stuff. Any final thoughts as we're wrapping up? Alicia Levy, wonderful conversation, the CEO and president of Reading is Fundamental. Concluding thoughts, ways to wrap this up for anyone who was listening to the conversation.
1: I hope lots of people are listening and I would encourage all of your listeners to join us to Rally to Read. I hope all of your listeners take the pledge. I hope they go to Rally to Read, do Work. I hope they share it out with their network and that we take this opportunity over the course of the next several months to really celebrate and encourage children to read. So thank you for the opportunity to talk about it.
0: Awesome. Fantastic having you on. Alicia Levy from Reading is Fundamental. Thanks so much for joining. Take care. And for our listeners, hopefully you enjoyed what you're hearing. If you enjoyed it, share the good word, tell a friend, subscribe. We'll be back again soon. This is Trending in Education.